Lord, we bless your name. We exalt you. You're the King of kings and Lord of lords. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, let's say our confession together. This is our year of jubilee. We expect manifestations of the Holy Ghost and power. We believe for financial miracles and miracles of healing in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. We want to continue with the series that we started a couple of weeks ago, Steps to Answered Prayer. We've been using as a main text John chapter 15, verses 7 and 8. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit, so shall you be my disciples. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. There's a lot of use in that scripture. The Bible talks about the importance of abiding in him and abiding in his word. And really, I, I, I think not many people recognize this. The only way you're going to be able to fellowship with God in the right way is through his word. You can't fellowship with God through feelings. You can't even fellowship with God through reasonings. But we fellowship with him through our relationship. He is our father. We are his children. And we fellowship with him through the word. If you abide in me and my words abide in you. Now, abiding in his word means that you're going to be aware and, and knowledgeable of his, the will of God by his word as it's revealed to us. So these four steps of healing, uh, four steps of answered prayer will work every time if you put these things in practice. Did we change the lighting in here? The overhead lights aren't working? I feel like I'm in a spotlight here. All right, well, well, we'll just edit that out and go with whatever. Step number one, decide what you want from God and find specific scriptures that promise you the things that you desire. And then get those scriptures down on the inside of you and be ready to use them against the devil. We lost more lights. Decide what you want from God. By that, we mean to be specific in what you request. Brother Hagin used to tell the story of when he was traveling and going from church to church and things like that. They would have people come to the altar, depending on the custom of the church, and he would ask the people that were praying at the altar 
what were they praying for? And most of the time they would answer him with something like, with nothing in specific, nothing very specific. And he said, well, that's what you'll get from God then. People get hung up on the idea that people would pray contrary to the will of God. But notice it says, if my words abide in you is one of the conditions. Faith begins where the will of God is known. And you can't believe God beyond actual knowledge. So when we say decide what you want from God and find the scriptures that promise you those things and get those scriptures down on the inside of you, that means you're going to have to meditate in them. You remember Joshua chapter 1 verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that's written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. God gave you the formula for success, and it's based on meditating in the Word. Now we know that meditating is not the Eastern religion type of thing, where people just empty their minds of all thought and search for things in the spirit realm. But instead, meditating in the word is speaking it. Saying the word to yourself over and over again. Get those scriptures firmly fixed in your heart and be ready to use them against the devil when he comes. I think that most of the time people are ill-equipped before they go to prayer and really your preparation for praying is just as important as the prayer itself. I don't think many of us plan for having a, a fight when it comes to receiving from God. But virtually everything that we can have access to through faith sets us up for a fight. You may remember in Mark chapter 4, Jesus tells the parable of the sower sowing the word. And the disciples came to him afterwards and asked him privately, what does this mean? And Jesus identifies that it's the most important one of all the parables. It's a foundational principle that we need to be aware of. And he talks about the fight that's going to ensue. The sower sows the word and immediately Satan comes to take the word from your heart. That's what he talks about the wayside. And then he talks about the stony ground that has no root in itself. And afterwards, when affliction or persecution arises, they're offended and turn loose of the word. They abandon those scriptures that they heard, the word that was sown. And so it says, Jesus is telling us the devil will stir up trouble and stir up people against us. Affliction and persecution. Now his, his goal is to make us turn loose of the scriptures that we found that promises the things that we desire from God. 
And the only way the devil can make us turn loose of the truth of the word is by deceiving us or putting pressure on us. He goes on to talk about another type of ground, the thorny ground. And he says that Satan uses different tools or weapons that are identified as the cares of this world, the lust for other things, and the deceitfulness of riches. He tries to distract us. He tries to make us more concerned about the physical circumstances than we are concerned about the word and therefore we won't receive the answer to our prayers. Paul talked about the fight of faith. He told Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12, he said, fight the good fight of faith and lay hold on eternal life. Now folks, Timothy at that point in time is most probably the pastor of the church at Ephesus. The most famous church of all the ones that Paul started It was recorded in history as being an outstanding church. It was outstanding in size and in works and in just about every way. So when he tells Timothy, when Paul tells Timothy to fight the good fight of faith and lay hold on eternal life, he's not talking about being saved. Timothy's already saved. He's filled with the Holy Spirit. He's operating in the ministry. Paul is simply saying that anything that we exercise our faith toward to receive from God is going to involve a fight. It's amazing how many people will reach out and exercise their faith toward one of the blessings of God and then be surprised when a fight results. We need to know that anytime we're going to believe God for something that his word says belongs to us, there's going to be a fight. And we've got to prepare ourselves for that fight and not be taken by surprise at the work of the devil to hinder us. And then in Ephesians chapter 6, Paul talks about Overcoming the devil by putting on the armor of God. Well, that denotes a fight too, doesn't it? If we weren't going to be in, an, in a fight, we sure wouldn't need the armor of God. So we have to prepare ourselves before we ever pray and equip ourselves with the word, those scriptures that promise us specifically the things that we desire from God. And that brings us to step number two. Step number two is ask God for the things that you want and believe you receive them when you pray. I'd like for you to turn with me over to Mark chapter 11. Jesus has just cursed the fig tree and the disciples brought it to his attention. Verse 22, and Jesus answering said unto them, have faith in God. For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. 
He identifies the principle of faith as believing in the heart and speaking with the mouth. Then he goes on in verse 24 and talks about how faith works in prayer. Verse 24, therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. F.F. Bosworth in his classic book, Christ the Healer, makes mention of healing belonging to two different realms. It belongs to the unseen realm because of the price that Jesus paid and the stripes that he took upon his back. The Bible says, with his stripes we are healed. So healing exists in the unseen realm, the spirit realm, and is available for us to reach out by faith and take hold of. But then healing exists in another realm or in another form, and that is the realm of physical reality. Now, when Jesus said, when you pray, believe that you receive them, the things you desire from God, and you shall have them. There's a, a phrase in verse 24 of Mark chapter 11 that you need to incorporate into your life. And that is the phrase, I believe I receive. I believe I receive. Now notice, it tells you when to begin to believe that you receive, and that is when you pray. So the two forms in which healing exists, one is the unseen realm, the eternal realm, the realm that God rules and controls. And the second is the physical reality. He says that if we believe that we receive, then we shall have the physical reality of healing. That works the same in every other area when it comes to having your needs met, for example, or drawing on the peace of God or whatever it is that you desire from him. But when you pray, if you believe you receive the thing that you're asking for, then you shall have it. Now, a lot of people want to have it first and then try to believe that they receive. But that's not the progression of how things work. If you believe you receive when you pray, then eventually God will see to it that you have it. But you won't have it unless you believe you receive when you pray. And sometimes people get hung up on the believe you receive part because they don't feel or have any emotion connected to believing that they receive. But folks, remember, faith is of the heart, the inward man, the unseen realm. So believing you receive has nothing to do with emotion. It has nothing to do with reasoning. It's just a simple choice to believe you receive.
Now, how do you know you believe and you receive? By what you say. If you say you believe you receive, Jesus said you'll have. If you wait to believe you receive until you have, then it won't work. So when you pray, ask God for the things that you desire and believe that you receive them. You may remember Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. It gives us a definition of faith. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. The first part of that where it says the evidence of things hoped for. The evidence of things hoped for. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. The, the, kit, the trick, the key, the important issue is to realize that your faith is giving substance to the things you hope for. See, the devil wants to tell you when you say, I believe I received my healing or whatever it is, I believe I receive. The devil wants you to, to be aware that you don't yet have it. And he wants to bring condemnation onto us because we don't have it and yet we're saying we believe we receive but faith gives substance to the things that you hope for and the things that you can't see one thing that I heard Brother Hagin say about the subject of faith that I incorporated into my Christian walk that's provided a great help in many ways is to say my faith is giving substance to my healing or again whatever it is you're believing for faith gives substance in other words it brings into phys physical reality the unseen truth of God's promise so ask God for what you want and believe you receive it when you pray now from this point forward in these steps to answer prayer the responsibility then shifts from you to God because the Bible said God will see that you have what you believe you receive it's his job to bring into physical reality the things that we've asked for that brings us to step number three and step number three has to do with your thought life. In order to stay in faith during the fight or the battle that you're experiencing, you're going to have to control your thoughts. This is a means of keeping your heart from doubt. Remember Mark eleven twenty three. Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart. There's the qualifier. And shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Right there it tells us where the devil is going to attack us. The devil wants you to doubt in your heart. But the Bible says to believe that 
the words that you say will come to pass. If you can maintain a confession that your words are coming to pass, then the devil can't stop your answer. He can't keep your healing or provision or whatever you're believing for from becoming a physical reality, a reality in this physical realm. So we're going to have to let every thought and desire affirm that we've asked, that we have what we asked for. Never permit a mental picture of failure to stay in your mind. Now remember in step number one, you found scriptures that promise you the things that you ask for. And so when doubts come, and if doubts persist, and they will, we're going to have to have an answer. And the answer is that I believe I receive based on those scriptures that we've made a part of our heart in step one. Don't allow any mental picture or feeling or dream or impression or any other such thing make you doubt that you have that you don't have what you ask God for now here's where the battle the prayer battle is lost for most people because they as we said before they haven't prepared themselves for a fight and so the doubts that come very often take people by surprise but if we put those scriptures in our heart and we understand how the devil operates he's trying to deceive us his only means of attack is trying to deceive us He'll try to deceive us through thoughts that he brings to our minds. And he'll try to deceive us through circumstance. The affliction, persecution, cares of this world. Deceitfulness of riches and lust for other things. He'll use those as evidence that our faith isn't working. So we're going to have to have an answer. And the answer is the word of God. Romans chapter 4 tells us about Abraham's faith and identifies that his faith is an example that we should follow. And so when Abraham was believing God for the child of promise, it says in Romans chapter 4 verse 20, I think it's the American Standard Version that says it this way. But it says, looking unto the promise of God, he staggered not through unbelief. Looking unto the promise of God, he staggered not through unbelief. Folks, there's one thing and one thing only that will keep you from staggering under the devil's attack and make you turn loose of your faith 
And that is the Word of God. The Word of God is the only thing that will keep you from doubting in your heart. Now remember the principle of faith in Mark eleven twenty three is to believe in the heart and speak with your mouth. So the key is not doubting in your heart means you're not saying anything. You refuse to speak or say anything that contradicts God's word. No matter how it looks, no matter how long it looks that way. Doubt in the heart is speaking contrary to the word of God. You remember in Numbers chapter 13, it tells about when God brought the children of Israel to the edge of the promised land. He, Moses sent 12 spies in to bring back evidence of what the land is like and so forth. So they come back and 10 of the 12 spies brought what the Bible says is an evil report. Now what was the evil that they came back and involved themselves in? Well, they simply said that they couldn't do what God said they could do. They said that they couldn't overcome the people because the walls around the cities and the strength of their armies and so forth. So 10 of them brought back an evil report. They simply said that they were unable to do what God says they would do or that he would help them do. So when, you, when we think about evil, evil coming to the mind and so forth, most of the times we're talking about just doubt. Most of the times we're talking about refusing to take hold of the devil's doubts and the things that he plants in our minds. Now I want you to look with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Verse 3, it says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, that means they're spiritual, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. So it tells us to resist imaginations and everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Here we're talking about doubt and bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ or the obedience of the word. bringing every thought into captivity. I think a lot of people try to blame the devil for things that they're responsible for and not him. Because a lot of people will say that they can't control their thoughts. Well, if you can't control your thoughts and God is telling you to control your thoughts, but if you don't have the ability to do so in and of yourself, 
then we have a right to challenge God's justice. We would have firm footing and sure foundation to accuse God of telling us to do something that was outside of our power or not within our power to do. So when God says to bring every thought into captivity, it can be done. It's hard to do, but it can be done. Look with me over to Philippians chapter 4. Verse 6. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. Paul understood that we were responsible to control our thoughts. He talks about the renewing of the mind in Romans chapter 12. One of the first things the Bible tells us that God requires of us after we're born again is to renew our minds to the truth. Renew our minds to the word. So refuse to allow any thought contradict the faith that we've already expressed for the things that God's word promises us. Now here's something you need to keep in mind and that is thoughts are governed by observation, association, and teaching. Guard against every evil that comes into the mind. You know as well as I do that we've been walking in the mall and we come down to the end of the mall where it tells us or where a bakery or something is established and you smell the cookies that are being cooked or baked and it plants a thought in your mind you weren't thinking about cookies before you smelled them but as I said thoughts are governed by association and teaching and observation if you're going to stay in faith folks you're going to have to stay away from some people If you're going to maintain your walk of faith, you're going to have to stay away from some churches. It amazes me how many times over the years I've seen somebody come to our church and get something from God, receive their healing perhaps, get baptized in the Holy Ghost, and go right back to a dead church that'll tell them what they received wasn't from God but was from the devil. 
And over time, they wind up losing everything that they gained. So stay away from some people that won't agree with your affirmation of faith. Now you can't control whether a thought of doubt comes to your mind, but you can control whether or not you entertain it. It's like you can't control who comes to your front door and knocks, but you can certainly control who you let inside. Thoughts that are not put in word or deed die unborn. The devil wants to bring thoughts to you and then blame you for having them. But thoughts that are refused to be spoken can do nothing to hinder your faith. Thoughts that are not acted on or spoken, die unborn. A story Brother Hagen told. He was in a church ministering in Texas, I think it was. And there was, the meetings were going on, had been going on for several days, well attended. The night services were crowded out and people were standing in overflow areas. He said there was a lady that came in after praise and worship And there was somebody up toward the front that had a place saved for her. And so she came in. And within a couple of minutes of her arriving, the pastor received the offering and was about to pray over the offering. And this lady stood up and said, Pastor, I want to pray or call for prayer for Sister Gray. She apparently had been at the hospital and this woman was at the point of death. And so the pastor said, yes. I'm aware that the doctor said that without a miracle from God, she wasn't going to make it. So they prayed a simple prayer for God's healing mercy to be extended toward this woman and then went on with the service the next night pretty much the same thing happened she came in late or later in the preliminaries and she asked the pastor to pray again for sister gray And the pastor said, yes, I've talked to the doctor, and apparently last night, Sister Gray 
had passed the crisis and the doctor was very encouraged and said that now she's going to make it. And the pastor said, but she's very weak. Well, normally you would be. So she said, he said, she's very weak. And so let's pray that God will con- complete her healing. When, I, when they prayed the night before, did they pray that God would just halfway heal her? So the pastors took up the prayer and prayed pretty much the same thing that he had the night before. And Brother Hagin said, the Holy Ghost said to him, now they've taken her out of my hands and she'll be dead in, two, in three days. Well, she died three days later. And nobody could understand Everybody in the church was floored and discouraged and so forth because they let their reasoning, they let their lack of understanding dictate to them how to pray. What should they have done? Well, we just read in Philippians chapter 4, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. They should have just thanked God for the healing work that was going on in her body and reminded him that they had prayed the night before, and so just give thanksgiving about it. Now, the devil works overtime to deceive us. And it's such a shame that he gets so much cooperation from Christians. So let every thought and every prayer agree with the faith you've already extended rather than Pray for something the second time. Now, there are other kinds of prayer that we pray over and over and over again, but the prayer of faith is not one of those. Smith Wigglesworth used to say that if you've prayed 10 times for any one thing, you've prayed nine times in unbelief. And you remember in 1 John chapter 5, verse 14, John said, this is the confidence that we have in him, If we pray anything according to his will, he hears us. And since we know that he hears us, we have the petitions we've desired of him. So the answer to answered prayer, or to get a positive answer to your prayer, according to John, is to make sure that we prayed according to the will of God. Now, how can we know that we prayed according to the will of God except that we found scripture that promises the things we prayed for. So from the point in time that we pray and believe we receive during the period of time between when we say amen 
to see it in physical reality. That's the time we're going to have to guard against reasonings and doubts and unbelief. It's the time when the seed has been planted in the ground and we have to tend to it to make sure it grows up in a proper manner. So meditate constantly on the scriptures that promised that what you've asked God for. See yourself with the answer. Now I'm going to read from Proverbs chapter 4. Verse 20. My son, attend to my word. Incline thine ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart. For they are life unto those that find them and health to all their flesh. Notice verse 21. Let not the word depart from before your eyes. That means see yourself with the answer. Now one of the things that helps me when I was just getting started in believing God and started in operating in faith and such is that the question came to me, how do I know that I've got the word, I've meditated in the word sufficiently to where it's a part of my makeup? It's become a part of the, the man on the inside. And the Lord showed me that the purpose for meditating in the word is to see yourself with the answer. When you see yourself with the answer, that shows and that's the evidence that we've meditated in the word enough to where it's part of, our, of who we are, the real us, the man on the inside. See yourself with the answer. If you see yourself with the word, the answer that the word provides, then you're not going to see yourself as a failure. You're not going to see yourself as your faith not working. But when you see yourself with the answer, the healing that you believe for, the finances that you sought after, when you see yourself with the answer, then that shows that you're operating in faith of concerning the word of God. We spoke a minute ago about the Numbers chapter 13 situation where the 12 spies went into the land. One of the things that was a part of their evil report is they said how they saw themselves. And they said how the enemies looked at them too. They said something to this effect. We saw the sons of Anak there, the giants. And we were in their sight as grasshoppers. And so, we, so are we in our sight. The difference between the ten spies that brought the evil report and the two, Caleb and Joshua, that came back with the good report is that they saw themselves in two different ways. The ten spies saw themselves as grasshoppers. 
And Caleb and Joshua saw themselves as victorious. Well, the Bible says, this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. They saw themselves the way that God saw them, victorious and able to conquer the land. But the ten spies saw themselves as grasshoppers. Well, a grasshopper doesn't have much strength, does he? They saw themselves as weak. They saw themselves as small. They saw themselves as the devil brought thoughts into their mind that contradicted what the word said. Now, the same people that are calling themselves as grasshoppers, saying that they see themselves as grasshoppers, were part of the group that God brought through the Red Sea on dry land. They were the, the people that saw the destruction of the mightiest military force on the face of the earth which was the Egyptians Caleb and Joshua saw the victory that they experienced and won over Egypt as proof that God would bring them into the promised land but the ten spies hadn't spent any time at all on thinking about the promise of God and meditating on what God said he would do for them. And so they were easily shaken by the devil speaking to them concerning the size of the walls and the strength of their armies. So my son, attend to my words, put the word first place, incline thine ear unto my sayings, Listen to the word first and foremost and let the word of God be the final answer for your life. Let them not depart from thy eyes. See yourself with the answer, in other words, and keep them in the midst of thine heart. If you're keeping them in the midst of your heart, that means you're speaking them over and over again. For they are my words are life unto those that find them and health to all their flesh. Folks, there's a discovery to the word. And the more you attend to the word, the more you put it first place in your life. The more you listen to what the word says instead of listening to what the devil says. That discovery brings life and health and medicine to our flesh. Let's pray. Father, we bless your name. We thank you for the privilege that we have to pray and receive answers from you. Thank you, Lord, that faith in the word of God defeats the devil every time. We thank you, Lord, that you're glorified when we get answers to our prayers. 
And so we thank you for the things that we have believed that we receive and the things that our faith is bringing into reality now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, let's say our confession one more time before we go. Here we go. This is our year of Jubilee. We expect manifestations of the Holy Ghost and power. We believe for financial miracles and miracles of healing. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, folks.